0: Everlast is the young adult ministry of Calvary Worship Center located in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Everlast is a place where young adults can come encounter Jesus, grow in Jesus, and make Jesus known. Alright, what's going on everybody? You guys doing good? I always love asking that question because I either get like no response or I get like one person's like yeah <laughs> So, man I tell you what uh, I'm not sure oh, there's Kev like two of those songs I don't even know if you guys would remember when two of those songs came out but as I was standing over there just worshiping I was like oh, I'm getting such a blast from the past right now back to like early church days like 1999, 2000, 2001, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I remember being a mid-school student, the last song that we just sang, and like, just eyes, like, bawling, tears flowing. Like, those songs used to wreck me, and as soon as Kev busted into it, I was like, and I'm about to be wrecked again, here we go. (laughs) Well, last week we began this brand new Series 7, and in this series we are spending time looking over the seven I am statements of Jesus. And uh, these are statements that Jesus uses to tell us who he is in his own words. And as we launched into this series, uh, we actually gave you guys a journal that you could use while we're going through the series to dive deeper into these seven I am statements. That way, when, hear me out, when, because it will happen, when the time comes that someone comes up to you and says, hey, can you tell me about Jesus? because we spent time in this series listen to jesus in his own words tell us who he is and you spent time in the journal that you didn't lose because remember if you lose it then we're not friends anymore you can then tell that person exactly who jesus is and introduce them to jesus so again i hope you guys uh, got the journal i hope you guys have been enjoying the journal i hope that you're growing from the journal if you didn't show up last week you didn't get a journal or we're no longer friends you can grab one from Tina um, before you leave here tonight. But one of my all time favorite games to play as a kid growing up was hide and go seek. I absolutely loved playing hide and go seek and my favorite way to actually play that game was hide and go seek in the dark. Anybody ever play hide and go seek in the dark? Like it just takes the game to a whole other level, right? Now I'm a very competitive person like I don't know if some of you guys have figured this out or not yet, but I'm a super competitive person. And like without fail, like this always happened, and I don't know if this happened to you, but as the game of hide and seek gets going, all of a sudden your heart starts pounding, your adrenaline is starting to rise a little bit, and uh, as soon as you find that prime spot, whether that's in a closet, or it was out in a bush someplace, without fail, as soon as you settled down into that spot, all of a sudden, at the beginning of the game, you had to go pee right now this always happened to me now and I would always get like I like not always but usually I was pretty good at this game especially when we played it in the dark and because I'm such a competitive person that once I found that spot and my bladder shrunk to the size of a penny like, for no reason whatsoever was I going to give up my spot. So I'm sitting there hoping and praying, legs crossed, as tightly as I possibly can, but like, dear Lord, baby Jesus, I hope everybody else gets found, because I'm not giving up this spot. And I would be, like, on the verge of peeing my pants. Like, I'm just not going to lose. It's just how I am. But... When you take the game hide and seek and you add the element of darkness, again, you're taking the game to a whole other level and you're adding in new factors. Because in the darkness, by yourself, in the coat closet, is all of a sudden when you start hearing weird sounds, right? It's all of a sudden when you start hearing voices speaking to you, like, Yes, Satan? It's when all of a sudden the darkness becomes really heavy on you. But my question is, what is darkness? Because we have the definition. You can go to any dictionary and you can look up the definition of darkness, and it always comes back with saying that darkness is just the absence of light. And when it comes to darkness, we really have a love-hate relationship with it, don't we? Because we hate the darkness in the world. We hate turning on our, our uh, TVs or pulling open our phones to hearing about another mass shooting. We hate hearing about drug abuse and sex trafficking, and the skyrocketing rates of suicide within our country. But we also love the dark, right? Because of what we can conceal in the cover of darkness. You see, we love what we can, uh, what we can be hidden behind closed doors while visiting certain websites. Uh, we love the reliance that we can have on certain substances that no one else is aware of that we're taking. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, there's a reason why we call things in this country nightclubs. It's because it's at night in the darkness that we can conceal our deepest, darkest secrets. But if we're honest, those things that we hide away in the dark as time goes on become really heavy on us after a while, don't they? The thing that we once enjoyed in secret, we realized we became captives by those things and we just hope that no one will ever find out about our dirty little secret but while the game hide and seek in the dark is fun living in darkness of this world is not nearly as fun and we look around us and it seems like every day the world is feeling a little bit more broken it's feeling a little bit more hopeless and it feels just a little bit darker and while turning on a light during a game of hide-and-go-seek-in-the-dark is cheating. Turning on a light in a dark and broken world is the remedy needed for the hopelessness and the heaviness that we all feel in this world. So in the I Am statement that we're going to look at tonight, Jesus has that remedy that we are all desperately in need of for the hopelessness in our world today and for the lifting of the heaviness of the sins that we find ourselves in from time to time. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to... John chapter 8 and 5 verse 12. John 8 verse 12. And if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry about it. We'll have this verse up on the screen. But before we dive into John chapter 8 verse 12, we're going to go ahead and pray. So Father God, we exalt you. Jesus, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place tonight. God, we pray that you would teach us. And as the song we just sang, Say, God, we pray that you would transform us tonight. And so, Father, we dedicate this whole evening to you. And we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, John chapter 8, verse 12, and this is what it says. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, last week we talked about that these I am statements make really horrible, awkward uh, interview question answers, right? And last week we kicked off this series with looking at Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. And when you hear that was we were going through it, it's already an awkward statement that Jesus makes. You have to really dive into the context of what's going on to understand, okay, why is Jesus saying I am the bread of life? But if you notice what's going on in John chapter 8, this statement of I am the light of the world really comes out in left field. Because unlike the I am the bread of life statement, where the people around Jesus are begging and asking Jesus, hey, give us this bread of heaven that comes from heaven that you're speaking of, Jesus just opens up in this section of text with just simply saying, I am the light of the world. But it's because of left field responses like this makes it so important why we have to read the Bible in context to understand what's really going on. So in order to understand, we have to actually go back a chapter to John chapter 7, and we have to look at the first two verses that are there to understand. And this is what it says. It says, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of uh, Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters now that's super important and here's the reason why because when jesus says that i am the light of the world he is saying this after a week-long celebration called the festival of shelters and depending on the translation of your bible it might say the festival of booths the festival of tabernacles as the jewish people call it Sukkot. now in leviticus chapter 23 god establishes get this seven festivals that the Israelite people were to uh, uphold and celebrate and the festival of shelters this one that Jesus is walking in onto is the final of these seven festivals and the purpose behind this festival was so that the Israelites could remember where they came from remember this is uh this is, is a celebration signifying that God had delivered the Israelite people out of slavery from Egypt and it's to help them remember the 40 years that they spent out in the wilderness living in tents What the Festival of Shelters represents is that this world is not our home. That we are merely passing through this world until we reach our real home, which is eternity in heaven with God. Now, the Festival of Shelters was a nationwide block party with food, backyard camping, music, and much, much more. But another staple to this festival, a big staple to this festival, was light. It's been said that Jerusalem was so lit up at night that you could see the city from miles and miles away. And in the courtyard of the temple, there were these giant candelabras. And I actually got a picture for you to kind of put into perspective. These things are massive. So in the courtyard of the temple, they would have these massive candelabras just in there for the seven-day festival, just lit up, lighting up the darkness. The idea was that the Israelite people would never, ever, ever throughout this entire festival have to spend any time in the dark. And so you would have the city that would be completely covered in torches. You got these candelabras that are out in the courtyard. And during this festival, the Israelite people, they're praying, they're celebrating their past, and they're waiting in anticipation for God's promised Messiah to arrive. And every year as this festival would go on, it would come to the point that the seven-day festival would end and the torches would be burnt out and the candelabras would go out and with the light being extinguished, so would be the hope of the Israelite people. Until one day. Until one day at the end of this festival where John chapter 8 verse 12 opens up, Jesus, the Messiah, would be standing next to one of these giant candelabras where all the hope was just extinguished out, and he would sit there and say to the crowd around him, I am the light of the world. That's powerful. With that I am statement, Jesus is pronouncing to all who hear this, that life has come into a dying world. Jesus is proclaiming that he has come to bring light into the darkness, bringing us a vision of a world that is broken, but that was never meant for us, that it wasn't the way that God intended for things to be. Jesus came and brought vision of heaven on earth. And Jesus is proclaiming that he came to bring joy. In a simple statement, to break this down, what Jesus is saying is, I came to light up the dark, which is the gospel, right? It's the, that's the good news in a nutshell, that it's going from dark to light. And that's how the gospel has been, like the entirety of the Bible has been broken down in a simple statement. If you really want to know what the Bible is about, it's about uh, light coming into the darkness. In a simple statement, that's what it's all about. And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And when he says that, it isn't just a deity uh, proclamation, but it actually provides us three action steps of our own. You see, because when Jesus says that I am the world, He's not, the, the good news doesn't just stop with him making that statement. It's not with Jesus is just saying, look, I'm coming to light up the darkness. But it continues when Jesus is calling us out of that darkness as well. Which, if we think back on Genesis 1 verses 2 to 3, this has always been God's objective. To call us out of darkness. Look at the way that Genesis says it. It says, The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of god was hovering over the surface of the waters then god said let there be light and there was light out of darkness out of nothing god brought light into this world and paul tells us in colossians 1 verses 12 and 13 that this is the same thing that jesus calls us from he calls us out of the darkness and this is how paul says it he says always thanking the father he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, I don't travel nearly as much as I used to, but I used, when I did travel, I used to always love flying at night. I always love taking a red-eye flight, and one of my favorite all-time trips was flying from Denver International Airport into Austin, Texas. So I'm sitting in the window seat like nobody else is on this flight because nobody likes red-eyes like I do, and I'm sitting in the window seat and I'm looking out the window and I'm looking at the utter, like, vastness and darkness outside because when you're flying from Denver to Texas, there's a lot of open country. So there's not a lot of light. So I'm just looking out into this pure darkness that's out there. But as we're coming upon Austin, all of a sudden you just see light after light after light after light. It's almost like you're flying over an ocean of just lights. And and as I'm trapped in this plane, surrounded by what seems like this never-ending darkness, it actually got me thinking at one point, like how many of us feel like that we're trapped in the utter darkness of this life? Like we feel like we're prisoners to the sins that we once believed brought excitement into our lives. But the good news is that Jesus calls us out of that darkness into what he calls the light that leads to life. And it's the light of Jesus that darkness can never defeat. I love the way that John puts it when he writes this in the beginning of his gospel account, John 1, 1 through 5. He says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And here's the money. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's good news. So Jesus doesn't just come to light up the dark. Jesus doesn't come to just call us out of the dark. But Jesus comes and calls us to live in the light, right? Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, this is Jesus speaking, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, if it's true that we hate and love dark, then the inverse also has to be true that we love and hate light. You see, we love light because it brings life to us, right? We think about the sun. And if it wasn't for the sun, this planet would be unable to contain any kind of life. Without the sun, this earth would just be nothing but darkness and coldness. So we love light. We love light because it brings vision. Now, I don't know how, how many of you have ever tried to drive in the dark towards a brick wall with no headlights, no streetlights. But if you're driving in the dark and you're heading towards a brick wall, how are you going to find out? You hit it, right? You won't know that it's there until you crash into it. So we love the light because it provides a vision for us to see the obstacles ahead in the path that we're on. But we also hate light because light exposes the things that we love to do in the dark. And for a lot of us, even when we have entered into a relationship with Jesus, we still find ourselves running back to the things that we used to do in the dark. Like all, and all of a sudden, we treat this light that has come into our life as something that we can just turn off and on as we will please. But we look back on John, and John says that darkness cannot extinguish the light. And we look back on even what Jesus said in that Matthew first, and it says, Jesus is saying, look, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Like, none of that makes sense. But to illustrate this, we have a lamp. So I might as well use this. Because what Jesus is saying, and it totally makes sense to me that some of us, we enter into the light that Jesus provides and we enter into this life. And then all of a sudden, depending on the situation that we find ourselves in, we try to then conceal the light based off of the circumstance we find ourselves in. So, for example, a movie is all of a sudden being advertised. And you see the rating on it and you look at the reviews and you see that there's going to be nudity and some things that you probably shouldn't be watching as a follower of Christ. Something that you don't want to be caught watching as a follower of Christ. But man, it looks really funny. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to block out the light. How about this one? It's like a friend that doesn't know that you've given your life over to Christ. Somebody that you used to go party with all the time. And now all of a sudden, Friday night hits and they give you a call and they're like, hey, I know where this awesome party is going down. Dude, let's just go get wasted. And you're like, man, it's not really what I do anymore. But it really sounds like a lot of fun. So, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to hide the light. I'm not going to let people know this new life that I found. It's kind of like people who moved to Colorado once Colorado legalized weed. Man, I got Jesus. But, man, it's legal. so i'm I'm gonna pick up and go from New York City to Colorado because that that's where life is at right now. It's kind of like the dating game. Man, that guy or that girl, man, she he or she is super hot. And I know that they're not a believer. And I know that they're probably going to push the limits of how far this relationship should really go and what it is that we do. But I don't know. Maybe it's the relationship, the the relationship that I'm in with this person that can actually get them to know Jesus. So, man, I'm going to hide the light because that person's hot. Like, this is what we do. And notice that during this whole time, the light's not getting turned off, right? We don't have that power. Darkness cannot extinguish the light. We're just concealing how much it can actually illuminate. What we're basically doing is, Jesus, man, I'm so glad that you're in my life, but this opportunity is coming up, and it's kind of like the old stuff that I used to do, and I know how fun it can be for a moment, so Jesus, don't watch while I do this. And Jesus is saying, that's dumb. You don't light a lamp to conceal. You light a lamp so that the light can turn off the dark. Living in the light is knowing that Jesus is better than anything you loved to do in the dark. Let me say that again. Living in the light is knowing that Jesus is better than anything you love to do in the dark. It's better than the greatest high. It's better than any porn on the internet. It's better than any one night stand or current hookup. It's better than any wild drunken night. Living in the light is knowing that Jesus is better than anything you love to do in the dark. So Jesus didn't come just to bring light into the world. He didn't come just to call us to live in the light. Uh, But he also called us, The light of the world, he says that he said in Matthew 5 14 to 16, He says, You are the light of the world. So, when we are plugged into Jesus, our light should become a light, our life should become a light to the world. It's so attractive that it draws people in like a moth to the porch light. So, here's my question for you tonight Are you attractive? Now, I'm not asking. Uh, if you're attractive physically, because you're all beautiful and handsome, okay. Let's just get that uh, off the chest right there. I'm asking: Are you attractive spiritually? Are you uh, are, are people recognizing that there is something different about you in the way that you go about living your life? You know, it past Sunday. Kev, Tina, uh, Melissa, Pastor Shea, and his wife and I. We got to go out to dinner, and uh, we went to celebrate Pastor Shay his wife's birthday, and you guys, we, <clears throat> we're just a group of friends going out and celebrating a friend's birthday. And we met this guy there, our, our waiter, his name was Antonio. And Antonio noticed that there was something different about our group. He just, like, he just noticed that, man, we're kind, we're patient, we're joy-filled, and, and all the other fruits of the Spirit that you find in the book of Galatians. And it was because we were so different to him that it actually led to him asking, like, and who are you guys? What do you do? And we got to tell him, look, hey, we, we work at Calvary Worship Center. And it just so happened that Antonio and his roommate were looking for a church to plug into and it led to the opportunity for us to be able to hand him an Everlast card and say, dude, I'm the pastor of a young adult ministry. Tina is an associate. Kev, who's sitting right here, that's been like, became your best friend and you didn't even know it. Like he leads worship there. Dude, come check out what it is that we have going on. And here's the thing, you guys, again, we were, we were just friends doing what friends do out celebrating another friend's birthday. And we weren't doing anything extravagant. We weren't there saying, hey, Antonio, can we wash your feet? We didn't say, hey, Antonio, can we pray for you? We didn't even leave a massive generous tip. We were simply just plugged in to Jesus. And that allowed the light that we were called to be to overflow and outpour into Antonio's life. But you know what I love? Christmas. Now I know that's a way left turn, but it's true. I love Christmas. The Christmas season is known as the season of lights, right? And one of my all-time favorite decorations are luminarias. And if you don't know what a luminari is, it's a Mexican tradition of a brown paper bag filled with sand and a candle inside of it. It looks like this. That's it. Nothing magnificent. And one of these fire hazards on its own, (laughs) it lights up the night sky around it. And by so doing, it actually fulfills its purpose. But the true point behind this decoration is to surround it with a multitude of other luminarias and create a breathtaking display of illumination. It looks like this. All of a sudden, that insignificant brown paper bag is doing something a lot more with a multitude of people around it, a multitude of additional light around it, than what it was ever doing on its own. And here's the purpose, the point of this whole thing, of this decoration. In the Mexican tradition, it's actually creating a pathway to invite Jesus into your home and into your life during the holiday season. And the crazy part about this is, this is what Jesus calls us to. Yes, he calls us to be a light, and yes, on our own, we can fulfill the purpose that God has called us to. But he always said that you were never meant to do life alone. You surround yourself with other lights, like plugging into a small group. Yes, that's a shameless plug, because small groups are getting started again. But once you do this, what you end up doing is you end up inviting Jesus not only into your life, but you're actually becoming a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, which is what the church was always called to be. So Jesus calls us to be light. And in a world that is spiraling further into darkness, Jesus calls us to be the substance that lights up that darkness. So, And we do that in the way that we live our lives, how we go about doing everyday life. And with how we do things, we are supposed to become a big neon flashing sign that points back to Jesus. And by so doing, what we're telling the world is, this is where the hopeless find hope. And this is where the broken get put back together. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is where the darkness is turned off. Listen to this quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, It is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And if you think about that even more, we can break it down this way, that it's easy to hate the darkness in the world and it's easy to become captive by the things that we love to do in the dark, but Jesus is the light of the world. So let's stop cursing the darkness that's going on in our lives and in the lives of the people around us and let's just simply plug into Jesus, and let's light up the dark. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on any new content. If you are a young adult in the Colorado Springs area, be sure to check out Everlast on Wednesday nights from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at 501 Castle Road, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80904. For more information, please visit our website at cwccs.org. God bless.